Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. Well, I am told that this has been a very special week for some of our people. Move over here a little bit more so you can see more of me. Something Glenda asks about every day. Can I see more of you, Mark? Sure, honey. Uh, Bill and Dolores, I think Thursday, celebrated 65 years of marriage. Can you imagine that? 65 years? And then uh, Gord and Doreen, uh, this week, celebrated 60 years of, of marriage. That's longer than I've been alive. I can actually say that. So well done. Thank you for your testimony. What a glorious testimony that is. And we just want to uh, say thank you to you guys. And uh, we, we love you. And we're glad that I think Bill and Dolores are here with us today. That's thrilling. Um, if you want to get your sermon notes out, if you have a chance to print them, you can look at those. We are talking. We're beginning a new series this week. I'm really excited about it. I'm uh, <laughs> working a lot on this. And it's called to Time To. Time To Do Something. It's based on the book of Joshua. And... Uh, we look at, we're going to start right at the beginning of Joshua chapter 1, and it's about today about being encouraged. And when I was listening to prayer start this morning, people praying for me and praying for Glenda and praying for our church, and I was so encouraged, honestly. I felt, what a great way to start my Sunday with my church family encouraging me and encouraging one another. But Joshua, at the very beginning of this book, needs to be encouraged because God opens the book by making this declaration. Next slide. Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. Now, Moses was the only leader the people had known or that their parents had known. It was Moses who led them out of Egypt through the Red Sea, through the wilderness, and the battles. And now Moses is gone. He's dead. And Joshua is chosen to step in and to fill these huge shoes of Moses. (laughs) And uh, it's Joshua who's asked to help the people realize the dream they've been literally waiting a lifetime for, to realize this promised land. So we can understand if if Joshua felt a little overwhelmed by this task, which lie before him. And God seems to understand this. And and so he begins to encourage Joshua at this critical point in his life. And God does this by giving him a promise, assuring um, his presence is with Joshua, and by giving him provision to succeed. So... If we had to summarize Joshua's life up to this point, we would, it would be this way. He was a slave. He was born in Egypt. He was one of the people that came out of Egypt, went through the wilderness. But then suddenly we find things in Numbers where Moses asked him to become a soldier. He's saying, Moses said to him, go and fight the Amalekites. Lead the army to fight these Amalekites. And Joshua did and was successful. So then he became this soldier military leader. And then he was known as a servant. When Moses went up to the mount to receive the Ten Commandments, he asked Joshua to come with him and be his assistant, and he remained his assistant thereafter. And then, as we said last week, he was one of the 12 spies who went into the land when they originally got to the Promised Land. He was one of the 12 who went and scouted it out. He's only one of the two who said, we can do this. 
we can do this. God is with us. We can do this. But the other 10 members said no. And God in his anger sent them back into the wilderness because they would not trust him and believe him. And now today we see Joshua becomes a shepherd. He was a slave, a soldier, a servant, a spy, and now his role is that of a shepherd. In Numbers chapter 27, Moses knows he's going to be leaving. He's going to be dying. And God, he asks God, Lord, would you please give the people a shepherd? And so Moses says, give them someone who will guide them wherever they go and will lead them into battle. So the community of the Lord will not be like sheep without a shepherd. So God, he responds to Moses and he says this. Take Joshua then, son of Nun, who has the spirit in him, and lay your hands on him. In Deuteronomy chapter 3, God tells Moses, commission Joshua and encourage him, that's what we're talking about today, and strengthen him, for he will lead the people across the Jordan. He will give them all the land you now see before you as their possession. So Joshua needs to be strengthened and encouraged because he's confronting change on a large, large scale. He's about to lead people across into a land that had been promised to them years ago, and he knew that there was a great enemy there. He knew uh, that, that you know, this is a change, a, a new way of living. Um, they're no longer in the wilderness, kind of in neutral and waiting. They're now being asked to press forward and claim and possess the land that was promised to them, that would be their home. And when you and I, when we face uncertain future, we usually experience a large degree of fear in our present. Joshua knew there would be challenges waiting for him. Remember, he was one of the spies who went in. He knew about the mighty fighting men. He knew about the walled cities. And it would seem evident to us that Joshua was somewhat afraid because in God's conversation with him, in the first nine verses of chapter one of the book of Joshua, three times God says to him, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. There comes times in our life when God calls us to move into a new beginning. And you know, most of us, I think all of us here in the last 10 years, we can look at our life and we can see new beginnings um, in our life. Some of them are good. Some of them have been challenging. There maybe have been new jobs in our last 10 years or new locations we've had to move to. Some of you may have left home and gone to school. Some of you were married. Some of you have had children coming to your family. There have been also deaths. We might have experienced financial windfalls or losses. Today we are facing a new reality with the onslaught of this worldwide pandemic and we look for encouragement. We look for God for his strength. We look to God to be with us. So the book of Joshua begins with God saying this, Moses, my servant is dead, therefore the time has come. Here it is, the new beginning. You gotta confront change and lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. So change is at foot. As DC Talk would say, God is about to do a new thing. And the old is gone, and now God encourages Joshua and begins by doing this, by giving him a promise. God gives us his promise. He says, I promise you what I promised Moses. 
Oh, sorry, last slide. Should be, maybe I missed this. Maybe I get this. I missed this. So he says, I promise you what I promised Moses, wherever you set foot, you will be on land I've given you. And probably one of the most important things I'm going to say to you this morning is about what I'm, able, what I'm about to say. So I want you to hear this and receive this. You might even want to write it down. It'll be in your sermon notes to fill in the blanks. But here it is. Throughout the Bible, we often find how God promise, how God's promise is first prefaced by a command. God's promise is first prefaced by a command. God will give a promise, but often it is paired with a command how one must act and be obedient and put faith in before they realize the promise. And I want to give you a few examples so you can understand. And you see, oh yeah, that makes sense. Uh, you know this verse. This is one of them from Proverbs. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. That one's not on there. The promise is that God will give you direction for your life. That's what it says. I will give you direction. We all want direction. The command is we got to first trust the Lord and depend on what he thinks is right, not on what we think is right. If we want God's direction for our life, he's saying you must be willing to set aside your understanding of life and seek and obey God's way. Here's another verse that we talks about the command and the promise. Carly read this one for us earlier. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. So God promises to give you peace. Even when circumstances don't warrant that you should have peace in your life. But there are these commands that we must first do. Don't worry about anything. That's the hardest one. Pray about everything. Talk to God. Thank God for what He's already done. There are so many examples. I just want to give you one more. Uh, Romans 10.9 says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. <clears throat> the promise from God is that you'll be saved. You'll have victory over death, just as Jesus did. When we all want that. But there's a command. First, you must openly declare Jesus is Lord. Are you doing that in your life? And believe in our heart, he's risen from the dead. I was telling um, the guys in my life group this past week about how I read from one of the commentaries in my sermon preparation some very, what I found to be very sobering words that asked the question. And the question my commentary asked was this, why do we so often fail to obey God's commands? Why do we often fail to obey God's commands? And then it answered its question saying this, because we do not really believe his promises. And that hit me. And I don't know about you, but it gave me cause to stop and examine my own life. And I asked myself, do I really believe God's promises to the point where I, will, I obey his commands? Because they're together. There's a promise and the command. And if I truly believe, I would certainly obey the commands. It makes sense. Faith leads me to obedience. And obedience leads me to act on the promises of God. And acting on the promises of God bring me to where I can realize, experience, and know those promises in my life. 
So let me go back to one of the verses we read, the one that Carly read to us earlier. God says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And get this word, then. See, there it is. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we understand. And you begin at the end of this verse, the word of God says, you can know peace, which will exceed understanding. And what does it mean when it says oh, peace, which exceeds understanding? Well, John Wesley, that great holiness preacher from the 1700s, says it in his old English way of speaking, means this, which none can comprehend, save he that receiveth it. In other words, you'll find yourself, you'll find yourself in these unsettling circumstances where you're going to have peace, and it won't make sense to people around you. It will not make sense to the world how you can have peace because they don't have Christ. But you do. And as a result, you have peace. And I'm sure all of us are in agreement when I say, I want to know that kind of peace which exceeds understanding. Well, God promises this to us, but we need to take action, practicing, and obeying these commands. So in this verse we looked at on the screen behind me, first of all, it says, don't worry about anything. That means trust God. Trust God. That means you have to trust God even when circumstances are troublesome because you can't both worry and trust God. And I keep coming back to the example of the disciples in the boat during the storm. We saw the disciples um, worried for their life because there was a storm threatening them. And it was real. The storm was threatening their life. And they look in the boat and there's Jesus at peace. Resting. And they had to make a decision. You can't let both define who they are. Either they're going to let the storm influence them and define them, or Christ. And all of us have to make that choice when we face storms. I'll let the storm, will I panic? Will I, will I say, God, don't you care? Or I look at my Lord and say, He's at rest, He's at peace, I will abide with Him. You have to choose. Secondly, it says pray about everything. That means converse with God. That's the other command. This is where prayer, you just don't say uh, a prayer before a meal very quickly. Or you pray when you desperately, desperately really need something or want something. It means you converse with God about everything. Everything in your life. Your marriage. Your finances. Your church, your, your health, when you need direction, when you pray to him out of gratitude, you give him thanks. For example, as I was writing these words early one morning, I was, the sun was coming up, and I'm looking out my window, and it was casting an orange warm glow. It was so comforting and so relaxing. I just stopped and paused and said, God, thank you for this today. Thank you for this wonderful, beautiful moment of the sun coming up and the glow of the orange coming in. It so much comforts me. It just reminds me that you were there. What I didn't do was stop and say, no, I must pray and get down and, and, and read a prayer. Do a prayer. I mean, it's just, it's just simple conversation with God throughout the day. God, thank you. God, you know, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? It, it's, it's having a conversation with God. And also, we can next tell God what you need, it says. Ask God. Jesus taught us 
to pray, give us our daily bread. We have this conversation, we have this conversation with God too, thank the Lord. And finally, it says, and thank Him. Don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything, tell God what you need, and thank Him for all He has done. This is when we praise God. And I'm saying the most probably difficult command we have to obey in this verse is not to worry about anything. Well, I'm going to give you some help in this area, if you'd receive it. If I was writing a book uh, on this subject, um, I'm sure the publishers would entitle it this, The Secret of Lasting Peace, because everything seems to be a secret, doesn't it? But it, it doesn't. It's not. Uh, it, and, it, you know, here it is. What the Word of God is trying to tell you here is peace and thanksgiving are connected together. Peace and thanksgiving are connected. As you practice sincere gratitude towards God, you will better experience the peace of God. It's the command and the promise again. As you obey the command, as you give thanks to God, as it says in this verse, you'll experience the promise of God, the peace that exceeds all understanding. Uh, these four things, trust God, Converse with God, ask God, and praise God. Are this, is this pathway to having peace in your life? And, and they're doable, these four things. There are choices you can start making today. In fact, you can write those down and spend some time every morning practicing those four things. And it'll just lead you to peace, that's all. Experience peace. But to take hold of any promise God gives you, you can't do that without first taking hold of the command. It's the biblical principle of sowing and reaping. You can't reap a harvest of peace without sowing these commands of peace, for example. So God gave Joshua a promise. He said, I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will have the land I've given you. I will give you the land. God promises Joshua that. But you've got to step into it. You have to put your foot into it. You have to take action. You have to move forward in what I have promised you. <clears throat> have you ever noticed in that verse the tense in which God gives this promise? He says, I have given you this land. God does not say, I'm going to give you, but rather this is a done deal. The land, the victory is already yours, Joshua. You just need to believe me, you need to step into it, and follow my direction. And the reason Joshua is going to possess this land isn't because they are a stronger, more intelligent uh, army than their, their enemy. It's only because God promised it to them. And we think about it, it's a lot like our own salvation. Jesus has already secured the victory over death. We just need to believe him and follow him if we want to possess this truth, this promised land, in our own lives. And we're not going to conquer death because we're more powerful than, than death. We aren't. We'll conquer death because God is more powerful than death. And he's given us the victory over it if we trust him and follow him. The Bible has this to say about those who are trusting in Jesus for eternal life. I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. Already have it. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death to life. You see the tense? The victory is ours. 
Here's another one. Um, oh, but, you know, the victory, God says, I want I give it to you. It's given to you. Not someday. I've already given it to you. Here's another one. But thank God he gives us the victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Another one from 1 John. And this is what God says, what God has testified. He has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. You, you possess it already. It's not waiting. Someday you have it. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. So God encourages Joshua by telling him, I'm giving you this land. You will have to face battles. You're going to endure trials. You will be tested. But Joshua and the people, if you remain faithful to me and you would trust me and follow me and obey me, the victory, the promise is yours. <coughs> and the same way you and I approach heaven this way, we will face battles in this life, right? We will endure trials. And I know some of you, and I know you've, the trials you have endured, and you know the trials I've endured. We will be tested. But if we would remain faithful, if we would abide in Jesus and trust him and obey him, the victory is already ours. But we've got to step into the land. Here's another important point about the promises of God. God's promises are prods to drive us forward. They are not beds for us to lie on and wait. These promises of God will ask you and cause you and enable you to move forward. Even in times of testing and trial. It's what we sing in the hymn today. Standing on the promises of God that cannot fail. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail. Listen to this word. By the living word of God, I shall prevail. Standing on the promises of God. So God encouraged Joshua. He encourages us with his promises. Secondly, he also encouraged Joshua with his presence. God is not only our past deliverer or our future hope, he is our present help. He tells Joshua, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. And God says this, I will not fail you. I will not abandon you. And who in your life but God can say that to you and follow through on it every time? No one. You, I mean, for example, we have friends. You have friends and, and you thought, oh, nothing will ever separate you. But then someone moves away or circumstances change and they're not able to be there for you as they once were. People get married and they make this vow to one another for better, for worse, so death do us part. And that happens, that vow, um, usually 50% of the time is followed through. Someone usually backs out of that commitment for better, for worse. Or even our parents who love us dearly will grow old and die. And at no fault of their own, they can't be there for you. No human being can say to another, I will not fail you or abandon you and actually deliver on this promise. But God can. And God does. And he does follow through on it. So we hear this testimony in the Psalms about his presence. Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear and that verse tells me two things. Number one, I will have trouble. 
God does not promise that we will escape trouble in this broken world. A very present help in trouble. There was a great interview on CNN this past Easter weekend uh, with Pastor Rick Warren. I don't know if you saw it or not. And it was about the pandemic we're in and we find ourselves in. And Pastor Rick was asked the question, why does God allow such a harmful thing? It's, it's a common question. And Pastor Rick answers saying this. When people ask why God allowed something which goes wrong in the world, they're expecting this heaven on earth. This is not heaven. Do I have that slide? Yeah, there it is. This is not heaven. This is earth. In heaven, everything is done perfectly. There's no sadness, no sorrow, no sickness, no stress. None of that is true on earth. So we shouldn't expect it on earth. So as long as we live on earth, no matter who we are, we will experience trouble. And secondly, I learned from this, Psalm 46.1, is that we can know what we're talking about. We can know and experience God's presence on earth now. God is our refuge today. God is a very present help in trouble. And because of this truth, we don't have to fear what happens in this broken world. God gives us his promises. God gives us his presence. Finally, God gives us his provision. God gives us his provision. He says to Joshua, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate them from them turning either to the right or to the left. Here's the word again. Then, see the command and promise? Then you'll be successful in everything you do. Study this book. Next slide. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then, there it is again, only then you'll prosper and succeed in all you do. And you see the command and promise principle at work that we spoke of earlier. God is telling Joshua, obey my word. This is the command part. But he gives this promise, then you'll succeed in everything you do. God says to Joshua, study my word continually. Meditate on it. Obey it. This is the command. And here comes the promise. Only then you will prosper and succeed in all you do. God says he wants us to be successful in these areas. He promises us. He's basically saying, I'll provide for you, but you need to first abide in me. So God gives us his word, his provision for us to, to be successful and all the promises that he gives us. So this busy military leader called Joshua, who is responsible for millions of people, needs to immerse himself in the word of God. That's God's provision for his success. He needs to make reading the word and meditating on the word a priority in his life. If he's going to realize the success, he needs to realize in his life. And for Joshua, it's this. There can be no compromising and applying the instructions of God's word, there can only be the fulfilling of it. There can be no compromising. There can be no, it's got to be yes, Lord, yes, Lord, to your will and to your way. It's got to be trust and obey, or there's no other way. There's no compromising in applying the instructions of God's word. There can only be the fulfilling of it. I like how the message says this passage. It says this, don't get off track either to the left or right. So as to make sure you get where you're going. And don't for a minute let the book of this revelation be out of your mind. 
ponder and meditate on it day and night, making sure you practice it. Practice everything written in it, that's the key. Then, there it is, then, you'll get where you're going. Then, you will succeed. The promise is prefaced with a command. So what does that mean to us in practical terms? Well, many of us are doing the way right now in our life groups, and the way is not, uh, it's not a replacement or for our devotional life. It helps us helps enrich our devotional life. It's taking the word of God and helping us to get more out of God's word. It's not replacing it. It's helping us, getting us tools to mine out of it and to know more of what God is saying. And so, for example, we're learning in the way how, you know, it's important to find a quiet place where you'll not be distracted in the morning. And you open your Bible and read a passage. And you might stop and read it again. And then you can say, God, is there anything you want me to know about what I just read? And then you wait. And you listen. And it's amazing how many times God will bring things to mind. See, for many years, I didn't stop and wait and listen. I just read, 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 and talk, talk, talk. But you, and then you pray about it. And God may point out an area where you need to be obedient, where you need to repent. He might give you the assurance that you need. He may give you the direction you're seeking. God provides all these things and more as we study and meditate on his word. So the only question I have for you today is do you have the courage to do that? Do you have the courage to hold his promises? To take hold of them, to receive them. Do you have the courage to embrace his presence and to take hold of his provision for your life? Joshua had to do this. He was on one side of the river, crossing the other, and life was about to change. A new beginning. And he was promised. He was, had God's provision and his presence. Do you have the courage to take hold of that? Let me pray. Lord, as we look at the life of Joshua in this series, it's going to really speak to our lives today. I know that's why you give us your word. And as we read your word, God, it's going to really come alive to us. We're going to relate to Joshua in so many areas. Thank you, God, today that you give us promises. But God, remind us of the commands that, that go with them, Lord. Sometimes we want, everything, we want everything from you, but we don't want what you're asking from us. So God, we look, help us look for that command and to be obedient. And thank you for your presence, God. That means everything to us today. That you aren't just in the past. You're not just waiting in the future. You are, you are very present help. And God, what would we do without the provision of your word? What would we do, God, if you did not, if you just kind of backed off and didn't share with us and reveal to us and give us this revelation of what, why we're here, how we can live our life, what is waiting for us? What do we do today? Thank you for providing for us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at the gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.